Okay, so at the beginning of this shape here, uh, Mr. Iyengar starts to tell a story about Natarajasana, which is um, Nataraj, Nata equals dancer, Raja equals lord or king, as a name of Shiva, lord of the dance. Shiva is not only the god of mystical stillness, death, and destruction, but also lord of the dance. Okay, just right there, my friends, there is a huge, gigantic teaching that you could probably spend the rest of your life pondering, right? When you go down to meditation, you could be like, all right, well, Shiva's not only the god of mystical stillness, like that cosmic stillness, which I've touched in upon from time to time in meditation, and you'll get this, that moment where it's like, <sighs> instead of, you know, so my sound effects. Um, and he's also Lord of the dance. Well, what does that mean? Right? So in the essence of like the energy of Shiva, there exists two truths, right? That there's a duality, that there's a play. There's the mystical stillness and there's the dance. What do you think that means? And for the rest of our lives, we could sit there right before meditation and just ask ourselves that question and how it relates to our own human experience and have enough to ponder, <laughs> right, for the next 80 years or however long um, it's going to be for us. So I'm going to continue, but just, whoa, right away. In his Himalayan abode, on, my, on Mount Kailasha, and in his southern home, the temple of, I have no idea how to pronounce this word, Chidambaram, Shiva dances. The god created over a hundred dances, some calm and gentle, others fierce and terrible. The god created over a hundred dances, some calm and gentle, others fierce and terrible. Hmm. Hmm. The most famous of the terrible ones is the Tandava. And this is the one, um, and we'll do it in our shapes today, but this is the one that you see. I'm trying to look around and see if I have Shiva's over there in the corner, but I don't think I have one of the Tandava, or else I would bring it over. But it's the one that you see where Shiva's pictured in a ring of fire, holding a snake, right? Right, that energy of transformation and change holding fire, that energy of transformation and change, <laughs> um, and dancing in a ring of fire, the energy of transformation and change, right? It's like uh, tapas all over the place there. Um, so in the Tandava, which is the one that you've probably seen around the studio or wherever you are, you can look it up. The cosmic dance of destruction in which Shiva, full of fury at his father-in-law, Doxa. So here's Shiva, Right, feeling full of fury for killing his beloved spouse Sati. It's a longer story. I'm not going to go into it. Surrounded by his attendants, beats out a wild rhythm. Right, plays the drum of life and destroys Doxa and threatens the world with this dance. Shiva, as lord of the dance, has inspired some of the finest Indian sculptures and southern Indian bronzes. The vigorous and beautiful pose is dedicated to Shiva, lord of the dance, who is also the fountain and source of yoga. Friends, the original yogi. 
Um, so we have two really beautiful points here. The duality that exists in the energy of Shiva, which makes sense because Shiva is a threshold. The cycle of completion is a threshold, as is what is happening today. It's the ending, but it is also the beginning. And we've had, in this past year, countless thresholds, most of us, that have the energy of the ending and also the energy of the beginning, the energy of the cosmic mystical stillness, and then also the energy of the dance, right? Both at once. And I think what is so profound about all of this, friends, is that um, it steers us toward a recognition of our own expansiveness, of the mystical quality of stillness and rest um, and that kind of cooling out sensation that we get when we have the capacity to be able to sit in meditation. And then also the restlessness and the fiery nature of the dance that is living, right? And that we, in and of ourselves, our own wholeness has it just is. It doesn't even have the capacity to. It just is the most beautiful, divine combination of these two energies, right? Of the dance and then also of the cosmic stillness. Um, and that if we can remember that every single thing that happens in this life, and it's going to be all of it, right? This year is a... Um, an homage to all of it. 2020, an homage to all of it. But if we can remember that it's going to be all of it, right? Shiva created. That was the second part, right? Is that um, Shiva created over a hundred dances, and there's just a many numbers that are in reference to this. Some calm and gentle, and others fierce and terrible. And that none of it is something that we need to um, make separate from ourselves. Right? This is my big lesson of the week, friends. Uh, if, if there's a way that we think that we need to be or a thing that we think that we need to do or say to make it correct, <laughs> right? then there is some part of ourselves that we are pushing away, that we are saying is not okay. And we can come back to this image of Shiva to the hundreds of different stances and remember that each thought, each feeling, each occurrence that happens in this life arrives from the thought less, from the form less. And so there is no disconnection. There's no reason to push it away. It's a part of us. And the more that we have the capacity to welcome in what is, the more we will be in our dharma. The definition of dharma that I work with is that the truth of what is, is that which supports us. And so the more that we can be in reality, in what is, <laughs> um, the more we'll be in the dance, right? And in the dance, there's pleasure. Um, in singing, there's pleasure. And when we forget that, uh, and think that there's a way that we need to be, that there's a box that we need to fit in, that there's some sort of program that's happening that we're missing out on, <laughs> that that's the opposite of freedom, right? Um, 
that's what I've got for you, friends. I had this experience this week as we're shedding the year where um, a friend of mine is grieving. And I thought that there, I have this, this moment sometimes that happens with people who are really close to me um, where I feel like that there's some way or something or some, uh, something that I have to do to fix it, right? When the hard things happen, when grief happens, particularly on ground grief after, um, just due to the, my, the circumstances of my childhood. Um, I was born after a child who died very young. And that was the energy of the house that I was born into was grief. And as a young child, my mind made the meaning that I was supposed to somehow, uh, that if, right, I could just fix it or make it better or uh, take it away from my parents, that then I would have my parents more fully in their love and their capacity for love, right? But the truth of it is, is that we cannot actually relieve another person's grief. And that the only thing that we can do is show up and just be here in our own wholeness. And that that, in any circumstance, is always what is most healing. And we can feel it, my loves, when there is um, a person in front of us who is trying to contort themselves in some way, right? And that energy does not have the energy of healing, of love. It has the energy of mistruth and contortion, right? which is a different kind of energy. It's one of the dances. It's welcome. Right? Welcome truth and contortion, because once I realize I'm doing it, then that becomes the doorway to waking up. So we don't reject it and say it's wrong or bad. We, know, we see it for the doorway that it is. And remembering that we can be in the truth of our own dharma, that being with what is, is that which supports us in our growth and our service and our showing up for each other, right? And we also know what it is to be with someone who thinks that we need to be another way than what we are, right? And that's usually a projection of um, ourselves putting that onto other people because we think we need to be another way than what we are. So all of this to say that we have the possibility, my friends, of being with ourselves in a way that is so expansive, that is so loving, that is so rooted in love, that it becomes transformative not only for you, right, in creating your own freedom, your own uh, willingness to be in the dance more fully, because that's where freedom is. It's being in the dance more fully. I have come to believe this year to understand, received an understanding, a teaching, right? That the oneness isn't where it's at, that it's in the duality, that it is in the dance that we get to experience the relational aspect of love with God, with ourselves, and with one another, right? Um, And when we're in that fullness of our dance, we also then become a transformative healing power for the world uh, and for each other. And so it becomes this radical, radical practice of love for self, for spirit, and for each other. Um, And that, more than anything else, is what I am taking into next year, right? That shedding of the idea that there's a way that I need to be 
And it sounds so simple, but it's like every single day you catch it. (laughs) And then also the shedding, um, the welcoming of the dance, of the hundreds of different kinds of ways of being that we have been gifted with, the calm and the fierce and everything in between. Okay, I think that's it. And that all of it springs from the thoughtless, every single bit of it. So there is no separation between what is eternal, right? And this whole thing that's going on right now, this whole game. Okay, I love you so much I can barely handle it. I wish you were here. I'm teaching for free. Tell all your friends on New Year's Day as a gift to 2021 and tell everyone and all of you. Um, It will be at 9.30. And then my workshop, Free and in Love, Mm. 2021 free and in love starts Sunday you should come if you have that inkling of um, there's something here that I want to learn more about with the yoga with all of it it's an opportunity we ditch the asana and we just go deep together okay you have your playlist